Chapter Twenty Seven of Stephen Mitchell's Journey by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Seven: Danger Signals. Good evening," she said to Miss Ransom. "Wasn't it awful? He never was so bad as that before. He has been with some of those fast men in town who have such a bad influence over him." isn't it dreadful to think that men will drink and make such awful nuisances of themselves but they all do it i don't believe my husband has an acquaintance who doesn't take a glass when he feels like it they are not drunkards you know of course but once in a while they are overcome i am sure i wish my husband didn't drink at all but i suppose he would have to be a minister in that case i believe they are the only men who do not indulge you are fortunate in having one for a brother i think girls ought to look out for such men for husbands it is a hard life but there are compensations it seems and she actually laughed this silly little woman helen looked at her in dumb dismay she made no attempt to comfort she would as soon have tried to comfort a parrot i suppose i would better go upstairs said the wife or would you wait down here until mr ransom gets him to bed i am sure i have had enough of him for one night but he will be all right as soon as he gets to bed and has had his first sleep he will waken in the morning very much vexed with himself poor fellow he does dislike making a scene i assure you miss ransom this is really a rare occurrence gentlemen stay in their clubs in town you know when they find themselves overcome with liquor but in the country of course there is nothing for them but to brave the embarrassment sarah i believe i will go up to your room if you will let me and wait until mr ransom comes out and she gathered her silken robes about her and climbed up the old-fashioned staircase sarah and miss ransom looking after her the one almost as much bewildered as the other mr ransom came down presently pallid to a degree that startled and frightened his sister and grave almost to sternness he was in haste to start homeward he would not go into the dining-room which between meals had now become the family sitting-room he declined waiting to see mr and mrs mitchell who had fled to the kitchen from the presence of the drunkard he could not wait for the return of mrs colchester and flora nor even to see stephen with whom he was supposed to have an errand another time would do he said he must get home at once he and helen had only come out for the exercise he hurried helen's last words with sarah and in a few minutes they were out mounted on their horses and galloping toward home the minister rode at almost breakneck speed and in the moonlight his face showed pallid still and his mouth was set in stern lines helen wondered and was silent he had seen drunken men before why was he so moved by this exhibition was it sympathy for the foolish little wife who did not seem to deserve to have such a feeling wasted upon her but she must just have talked at random helen said repentingly to herself talked to cover embarrassment and pain she wanted me to think that nothing very terrible had happened and talked on perhaps without realizing what she said 
she probably lost her unnatural self-control when she got upstairs i wish maxwell would talk how miserable he looked if he is going to carry other people's burdens in this intense way he will wear out long before his time they were within two miles of home before the minister spoke other than to ask his sister if they were riding too fast and if she were comfortable but at last he slackened rein and turned toward her the first words he spoke struck his sister dumb helen mrs sedgwick is gertrude temple it was even so the pretty city boarder who had been willing to bury herself in the country and to offer an extremely liberal price for the privilege of doing so was the woman who for one well-remembered year mr ransom had looked upon as his promised wife his sister who had not felt drawn toward the stranger but rather repelled and who had struggled with the feeling and chided herself for it as unworthy now began to study the woman with a strange mingling of feelings and was obliged to pray much for grace to keep her not only from saying that which might be an injury to others but also from thinking uncharitable thoughts still the curious problem would present itself what motive could mrs sedgwick have for coming away from all her home surroundings and home friends miles into the country unquestionably it was not the love of nature that had brought her nature in its most lovely forms seemed to be only endured by her and when it put on its unlovely face was positively repulsive perhaps it was hardly to be expected that a woman like helen ransom should have understood a woman like gertrude sedgwick nothing could be much farther apart than the moral vision of the two yet to those who have come in contact with this type of human nature mrs sedgwick's motive will be readily apprehended from very babyhood she had pleased herself she had been a creature of whims and fancies she had not for one quiet hour in her life looked ahead and studied the consequences of her acts from the moral side of her being results which might be disagreeable to herself she could to a degree apprehend though even for herself she was very short-sighted she had married the winter before the man whose attentions had first inclined her to feel that she was not fitted to be the wife of a minister had maxwell ransom been preparing for the bar or had he been a gentleman of wealth and leisure she would have decided for him instead of for charlie sedgwick but since she could not move him from his purpose and since she was able to realize that his profession would demand certain duties from her which would be irksome the scale had finally turned in favor of the man who was her husband she was fond of him in her way but as compared with her pleasure even the passing pleasure of an hour he was altogether secondary she had lived fast after her marriage without regard to the laws of health or to any laws save those which her fancy dictated she had treated her body as a mere machine whose business it was to do her bidding of course it had taken but a few months to break down a body which was never strong at its best when the physician had ordered rest and entire freedom from the requirements of fashionable life 
Mrs. Sedgwick had looked about her for some entertainment, and in doing so had heard of Mrs. Colchester's departure from the city. "'Have you heard of our beautiful young widow's latest freak?' That was the way the news was communicated. It has suited her fancy to go into the country in midwinter and bury herself and her little sister in a farmhouse. "'There is some special attraction, you may depend upon it,' Mrs. Sedgwick had said, as soon as she heard this story. "'Mark my words, Mrs. Sylvester, you will hear of some interesting young man stranded in the vicinity of that country farmhouse before the season is over.' This explanation was met with approval by some of the circle, and with indignation by others. A thorough discussion of Mrs. Colchester's affairs had followed, but Mrs. Sedgwick, caring not in the least for either side, had forgotten all about it until the conversation was recalled to her a few days later by Mrs. Sylvester. "'You are evidently right about Mrs. Colchester, my dear Mrs. Sedgwick,' I am told that there is a brilliant young clergyman where he has gone, who has one or two protégés in the aforesaid farmhouse, and is therefore a frequent visitor. One may always trust young widows to keep their eyes wide open. It speaks well for her husband that she is willing to choose another from the same profession, was Mrs. Sedgwick's gay rejoinder. What is the name of the clergyman who is brilliant enough to hold people in the country through March? Why, that is an interesting part of the story. His name is Ransom, Maxwell Ransom. He is a nephew of the famous professor by the same name, and has inherited all his uncle's talent, I am told. Mrs. Sedgwick had received this piece of information in utter silence but had pondered over it to such purpose that later in the season when she was ordered to the country she could think of no other part of the world where she could be induced to go save to the mitchell farmhouse no you are not to think of her as the wickedest woman on the face of the earth but simply as a weak vain woman who desired to amuse herself she could not help feeling that it would be amusing to come in contact with maxwell ransom and bring her fascinations to bear upon him once more it would really be very exciting to meet him again and talk over old times even sigh a little over the memories of the past where was the harm they had had delightful times together she frankly admitted to herself that in some respects he was charlie's superior she had always thought so there had been times when she had frankly told Charlie that if she had married Maxwell Ransom, he would never so far have forgotten himself as to drink enough liquor to make him either silly or cross. No, it was entertainment pure and simple which Mrs. Sedgwick was after. She felt herself somewhat defrauded of entertainment at times, for her husband's temptations were such as to make her more or less nervous in society and now her failing health had come to aid to the inconveniences of life. It was but fair that she should get what enjoyment she could out of banishment, and where could more be found than in the society of a young man whom she knew so well, and with whom she could talk freely, and associate familiarly without being misunderstood. For he was a clergyman, and she was a married woman."
this was really the extent to which her shallow little brain had planned and helen ransom in studying her did not do her justice perhaps one of her nature was not able to do justice to so small an amount of brain as had been given to gertrude sedgwick the minister as soon as he reached home went directly to his study and was seen no more that night the next morning he was himself again possibly a trifle paler than usual he admitted to his sister that he was late in retiring but he was as deeply interested in his work as he had been the day before and entered upon it with energy nor did he change his habits in the slightest degree in regard to the hilton hill neighborhood he went regularly to the meetings and made his regular calls quite as usual helen who always accompanied him on these trips watched with anxious eyes but could not see that he treated mrs sedgwick in the slightest degree differently from what he would any stranger whom chance had brought in his vicinity as the weeks passed mrs sedgwick also made this discovery and it is unnecessary to confess that it annoyed her mr ransom as a theological student had been wont to flush and pale under her influence to try in every way in his power to please her to put himself out to gratify her whims but it was only too apparent that this mr ransom while perfectly courteous at all times was also perfectly indifferent as regarded herself he never sought her society nor shunned it and the weak little woman who liked her husband less and mr ransom more every time she saw him and who knew or thought she knew that it was mrs colchester who had come between them as she expressed it to herself grew every day more determined to win the attention she coveted or failing in that at least she would prevent their enjoyment of each other it was not in gertrude sedgwick's nature to stand tamely by and see mrs colchester accomplish what she could not it was a lovely afternoon in early autumn and the mitchell farmhouse which had taken on many improvements during the summer was bright with sunshine and gay with many autumn flowers in mrs colchester's room that lady with helen ransom and her brother and sarah jane were having what the latter called a first-rate visit it was tuesday and mr ransom and helen had come out early as they always did on that day to make a call or two in the neighborhood take tea at the mitchell farm and get ready for the evening meeting which meeting was so growing in interest and power since jake lucas had taken hold of it that people drove for miles in various directions in order to see and hear this marvellous specimen of what god could do he was so earnest in securing allies for his new master that he let no opportunity pass without urging upon people just to try him and find out for themselves they had been talking together about mrs sedgwick i invite her to my room as often as i can mrs colchester had said because i am very sorry for her she is an unhappy woman she is not gaining in health and her husband is not improving in his habits he was worse at this last visit than we have ever seen him of course she feels very anxious about him 
with an anxiety which cannot be spoken of it seems to make her nervous even to hear his name mentioned i don't know how she bears her burden and she is trying to bear it all alone i know in response to helen's inquiring look she is a member of the church but i think the first principles of vital christianity are yet to be learned by her and she is so hard to reach because she takes it for granted that she is on safe ground of course hasn't she been a church member in good and regular standing ever since she was fourteen i am afraid for such people it seems to me they are in far greater danger than those who reckon themselves outsiders End of chapter 27